hello and welcome to Farm Buds, compounding professional narratives with student perspectives. I'm Sierra. And I'm Liz. Today we are joined by Dr. Presley Wetman, PGY2 critical care pharmacy resident. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. (laughs) So we'll just get started. So why pharmacy? This is a good question and one that I've had to answer several times, uh, especially in pharmacy school interviews. But uh, I think what originally sparked my interest in pharmacy was a close to home story. So I had a cousin who was dating a guy and um, they broke up and he actually, unfortunately, when he committed suicide and he overdosed on some medications and it kind of got back to the family. Obviously, we were all very upset and it really just hit me hard. And I kind of was like, why? Like, what does that even do? How did, like, it just really sparked my interest. And unfortunately, it was very sad and uh, an unfortunate event, but I really got interested in like, why would that work? Why would an ingestion work? And then really dived dived deep into it from there and got into science. And I already loved science as a kid. And you know, I said, medications are meant to help people. Why are they hurting people? Mm-hmm. Um, and why is this so easy for that to happen? And, you know, can we prevent it from happening the next time? And I was, I was thinking I was 13 and I was like, what the heck, you know, mm-hmm. um, and not really knowing, but then always having that inclination to want to help people, but not necessarily be the person to always deliver the bad news of a diagnosis or, you know, a condition and not necessarily have the answers. I think as pharmacists, it's really cool that we have that opportunity to say, hey, I have, you know, a hope for you and we have this thing. Let's try it mm-hmm. or let's de-prescribe and give you hope that, you know, through diet and exercise, we can help this. It's just I feel like it's more of a solution driven profession, which I love um, versus being on the other end of, you know, having to bear that burden of diagnosing someone or being on that end of it. So that'd probably be, that's why I that's why I love pharmacy <laughs> and why I do it. It's so. awesome. Yeah, it's really incredible that you were able to turn um, tragic circumstances into something positive because that can be really (laughs) difficult to do. And I think I've shared this before, but I'll share it again because you kind of gave me a bit of a segue. Um, I got interested in pharmacy because I took a like aptitude test in like middle school. And I don't suggest (laughs) that anyone chooses their career path that way, but I think you started even earlier than me. So way to go. I know. I was kind of the oddball of like, yeah, in high school, like, what do you want to do? I was like, I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to be a pharmacist. Like, that's what I want to do. And I even had to step back and had that reservation after undergraduate and say, okay, Presley, is this what you really want to do? Because you've been telling yourself this narrative the whole time, but like, think about it. And so I actually took some time off and I said, no, like it is. Mm-hmm. It hasn't changed and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. I'm the same way. <laughs> Not so much with pharmacy, but just knowing what you want your outcome to be in terms of like how to help people or, you know, what kind of environment you want to be in. And then that just an environment where you can do multi-paths and have op- opportunities, but that outcome is still the same in terms of, you know, positivity, giving someone hope, like you said, and just kind of giving a different perspective. Mm-hmm. That's not usually something that we experience in healthcare. So with that then, what educational training do you have? Oh, I feel like I I went to a lot of different schools, um, but eventually it all led to to where I'm at now. Um, So I grew up in Salt Lake. I left for undergrad, um, went to, I got an associate's degree from College of Southern Nevada in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, and then went on to get a 
uh, bachelor's degree at Arizona Christian University. And so while I was doing all that, I was playing college softball and trying to just get that schooling paid for because I knew in my mind, I was like, I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to need this. And it paid off. Um, so two bad, uh, associate of science, a bachelor of science and a biblical studies degree later, um, I went to University of Utah College of Pharmacy for my PharmD education. And then I chose to pursue presidency training, which I feel like that's a that's a that's a big training <laughs> component of a pharmacy. And I think pharmacy professionals in general, whether that be inpatient, outpatient community. Um, yeah. So I'm doing that currently at University of Utah Hospital, both both my years. <laughs> what brought you back to Utah and I guess more specifically to the University of Utah? Yeah. So I had that time away from home um, before years of undergrad. And by then my family had all kind of gone and moved away from Utah. But Utah is just so beautiful. And I think as I grew older and I got away from uh, this outdoor lifestyle, not to say that Vegas and Phoenix weren't outdoorsy in their own sense, but I missed those mountains. I really missed the mountains. And I still had a good base of friends here. And I've always wanted to, growing up, I was like, I always want to go to the University of Utah. And if I couldn't play for the University of Utah softball team, like I was going to go and I was going to be a University of Utah alum. And so that's something I just, I loved it. And I, you know, got the opportunity to interview and kind of ran from there. So. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Vegas is a dust bowl. <laughs> it's right? hard to be it outside is, when you're literally. But melting. it's so hot. It yes. is very hot. Yeah, you're right. And look at my skin tone. It's like I would fry. It'd be like, <laughs> shing, nothing. Oh, I did. Yeah. I lived in zinc in one of the SPF 50s. <laughs> Even Phoenix was. Yeah. Oh, no, no, oven, no, no, so. no, 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 no. I mean, don't get me wrong, but. But now that I'm getting older, though, my body temperature is like negative. So maybe I should reconsider because then I would just be warm. That's why old people like the warm. You're cold blooded. <laughs> I am. I'm a lizard. Need <laughs> it. I like that, you know. OK, but back on it. So so <clears throat> you mentioned residency. Right. And that is something that we haven't had the opportunity to really talk about Um I mean, some of our past guests have mentioned about their residencies, um, but for someone who's currently doing a residency, we want to know, why did you decide to pursue a residency? Yeah, I I think I've always just wanted to do the most, if that makes sense. Like, I wanted to just push myself to my limits and figure out what I could. And not necessarily res all residency programs are going to be this huge, difficult thing, but it was more of like, I want to push myself to know all there is to know or to learn all there is to learn and figure out how can I be the best I can be for my patients. And to me, that looked like residency. Now that isn't, you know, saying that that's the one and only true path. Like I knew early on during my PGY-1 experiences that I really liked being in an inpatient setting and working in the hospital. And there is so much to know and there's so much that you don't know that comes along with that. And so I thought putting myself in the best position to do the best for them would be residency training. And so that's why I chose to, to go through it the first year and then try and stay on for early commit the second year or go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So... Why did you decide that you wanted to stay in an inpatient hospital setting? I just loved how, I think the, let me back up. So I think initially I really knew I wanted to be a pharmacist, right? And I didn't know what all that all entailed. I just know I want to be a pharmacist and I want to help people. 
I get to grad school and you're like, okay, well, now you're a pharmacist. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you want to do with that? And I had no idea the the amount of doors that pharmacy would open into all sorts of settings. You could go industry, you can go inpatient, you can go this. And I said, well, where could I get closest to the patient? And in me, like for me, that was the hospital. Like I, I love that setting because in that state, patients are the most vulnerable, right? Like outpatient setting, you can give them all the education and you, you just like really can't hold their hand. And you're like, here's the information. I hope that you listen to me and send them out. And, you know, I just love being bedside, you know, day by day, seeing someone's progress, seeing my implementation of a plan play out in their um, hospital stay and hopefully that's beneficial right like that's what we can aim for in, in our team collaboration and our recommendations but I really wanted that almost like instant gratification of like am I doing what I am doing is it helping or is it hurting and knowing right then mm-hmm. um, instead of having to sit back and like have a little bit of patience in the outpatient setting I said no I want to be in there and I want to be a part of those decisions early on in patients care and hopefully affecting their trajectory in a positive way so they can succeed in the outpatient. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I, I that, that unknown is kind of difficult to kind of quantify because you are like, do my words resonate? What value do I have? And I think that sometimes I struggle with that. And so it takes a lot more of a relationship building and like that trust in terms of, and, and really it's time too because your patient comes what, once a month? let's say for a refill. And then, you know, each time you only get so much time with them. So it's like, you have to build this trust. And so I could see why that's rewarding in that way to be, uh, you know, in an inpatient setting and see your patient, um, especially when they're vulnerable, you know, and not saying that there's, they're not vulnerable in an outpatient, but that vulnerability is, is a lot more dependable, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and so with residencies, um, you know, you talked about, you, you've done Two, now you're PGY2. What does that mean? What, do, what does that even mean for someone who's, you know, has nothing, no clue about a residency and what that entails? Yes, this is uh, kind of confusing. And so I relate it back to kind of the medical profession because I think in general people get the gist of, oh, you're a resident or, oh, you graduated med school and now you're doing residency and it's like a required thing, right? Like right. to become this doctor that you want to be. Um, so I kind of relate it back to that and I say, well, you know how doctors go and they get their degree and then they need extra training after that so they can do the field that they want to do. I said, that's what I'm doing, except pharmacy is a little bit more abbreviated, right? So, and we have the option to, um, you know, you can choose to do this, you can choose to not depending on what your interests are. And that's what makes pharmacy so unique. So I explain it like, hey, I went to school and I wanted, to, I know I wanted to be an ICU pharmacist. So what the required steps are would be two years of additional training. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not necessarily, right? You can get into a position right out of college or right out of grad school and then work your way up there through your career, which I have no have and know many successful pharmacists that have done that. Um, but now and now I think the, I wouldn't say the pressure, but there's a lot more focus on getting residents trained because it is that accelerated learning, which is what makes a residency harder. Um, but also it's the most I've grown in, I think looking back, I'm like four years of pharmacy school. I'm like, I have not grown so much as I have in one year of residency, which is really, really cool to see, right? To look back. And when you have those moments of reflection, you're able to identify that that growth, which is really nice. But there's always something to learn. And I think that that's the takeaway from whatever type of training you pursue or get into is that there's always more to know and to never, you know, 
rest and thinking that you know have all the answers. Yeah. So what? So just and then just a follow up. So what? What makes it different from four years in terms of growth to a residency? Is it because of the acceleration or is it just a different application? Is it, what is it that, yeah. that really says, I'm, I, I know that I've learned things in four years because four years is a lot of time and we're learning a lot of content, but like everybody says the same thing. Once I'm in the real world, it's like, whoa, you know? Yeah. So what is that? What do you think makes a difference? It's the experience, yeah. 100%. And you get it a little bit of taste in your third and fourth years, depending on what your rotations are, but... Mm-hmm. There is no substitute for experience. And I think that's why as like pharmacy students, we're encouraged to work and why that's a big part of our at least residency programs grade that really high or they place a lot of value on that is because they I think they know and they recognize how much that adds to someone's um, I know their own experience, but their own knowledge base. And I will say that I'm a very hands-on learner and visual learner. And I learn best in situations where I'm, I can put myself in that situation and say, well, this is what, what happened, what went right, what went wrong. And then reflect on that and say, okay, let's, how can we make this better? Right. And I think in pharmacy school, you're focused so much on laying the foundation, which is absolutely essential. And it does take a long time. So four years to build that knowledge base, because the amount of information you have to learn is just, it's like, it's kind of right of a passage, right? You have mm-hmm. to go through that, but then you get into it and say, now let's apply it. Mm-hmm. So it's twofold. And I think that that experience in general is just invaluable. And that's probably why you see the most growth is because you have a lot more reflection time. Well, not a lot more reflection time, but you have a lot of experiences to reflect on. Right. So yeah, I would say experience hundred percent. I really like the point that you made about working while you're in pharmacy school, because when I started at my internship, I was talking to one of the technicians, and one of the things that he said is like, I mean, you can tell if someone has worked in a pharmacy before, not even by what they know, but just by their work ethic. And I think there's a lot of soft skills that working teaches you that um, in some instances can be just as valuable as knowing the content. Absolutely. I think that, you know, I never went into pharmacy school or even on my undergraduate classes thinking I knew it all or I could ace a test on every single time. Like it is those soft skills. I think what make pharmacists such a unique player on any patient care team that they have is like you're the problem solver. It might be a question about some random thing, but they're going to come to you because you just have those skills inherently as your training and as, you know, your work experience, you're going to be their go to person, which is kind of it's a it's a blessing right like you want to be that person that go to on that team um and build that rapport but it's also really important to just say I don't know and I don't know and say I'm gonna look this up and but but yeah I think that soft skills are 100% learned and experienced in work positions and internships and appies and all things in between (laughs) yeah I feel you I feel you that so say somebody um you know, realized, okay, I finished four years, you know, I took the boards, I passed, I'm, techni- I'm you know, where I'm at, I'm a pharmacist, but they wanted to pursue a residency. Um, how, how does one start to apply for a residency? And then, you know, on top of that, who's a good fit for a residency program? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I will say the, the moment you start preparing for residency is the moment you start pharmacy school. And I will say, like, 
I didn't know I wanted to do a residency. I didn't even know what I wanted to do with my PharmD degree after the four years. But in that scenario, I said, prepare for the most. Yeah, you said prepare for the most. So if I chose to do a really rigorous residency at the best program, what would that look like? And that would be putting myself in situations where I was able to grow either through leadership or, you know, academically, just performing academically. So I'm able to do and put those opportunities in front of myself when and if they do present themselves. Um, And just being prepared because I, I mean, I had kind of gotten some advice from a really good mentor of mine. And she said, you know, I was the student who went into pharmacy school, didn't want to do residency, was going to take over uh, some business of my family's. And she's like, I did not want to do that. And I learned that my third year of pharmacy school. And she said, I really wish I would have put myself in situations to build that resume. Not necessarily build that resume of like, I need all this fluff to like fill it up. But like, I wish I would have had more meaningful experiences to speak to when my residency programs came knocking for interviews because I just felt like I limited myself and said no to a lot of opportunities. And that she said that kind of hurt her in the end is she didn't prepare as well as she thought. And she went on to be very great, did a residency as a great pharmacist. But, you know, that's something I really took to heart and said, you know what, whatever way I, I change my mind, it doesn't, it's going to make me that much better for whatever position I do encounter, whether that's residency or not residency. I'm going to be better because I have this leadership experience speaking to this, you know, meaningful thing that I did and people who I helped and the team that I work with. And I'm going to go into the community and I'm going to share that or I'm going to be a retail pharmacist and do that. Or I want to work in industry and I'm going to know how to work with a team and carry a project. So it's it applies throughout everything you do. I wouldn't say like you have to check all these boxes for residency, like check all these boxes to be a successful professional. Right. And whatever you aim to do, like I you could have done something off the wall, not even related to patient care. I don't know. Like you just, you, it's like, what can you speak to? It's going to have those transferable skills to residency Mm -hmm. because those are the people that they want. The well, the well-rounded people who have that, that experience. Yeah. 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 And I also think too, like, I hate saying this, but carbon copy, you know what I mean? A checkbox. And it's like their checkboxes are there to be more, I think, or should be treated more of like, guidelines right yeah. and 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 as we're in pharmacy school we do we have guidelines that we can follow mm-hmm. um when it comes to making a therapeutic decision or, or what's best for the patient but that doesn't mean that they're always followed yes. they're guidelines and i think that that's really important that sense of self and i have to tell myself that because i see other people doing a lot of these things and then i'm like but what you but then you know that self-reflection is really important and saying what would this bring to me And what would I contribute to that? Because I would rather not half butt something just to put it on my resume because honestly it takes more work to do do that because then you're like, oh, gosh, I signed up for this and I really don't want to do it, so I'm going to put half the effort in. For what? Is that a reflection of my work? No. So then why did I sign up for it? And it's those decisions that are really important, right, to be able to say I can't do that, not because I don't want to. It's just I won't be able to do the best that I can and gain what I want from it. So. I like that. So what does a day in your life look like then? It sounds busy. It is busy. It is uh, go, go, go 100% of the time. Um, no, I will say it waxes and wanes and there's definitely months of residency that I can look back and say, 
oof, you know, October of PGY1, I was really feeling it. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, last month where you have three presentations and you have a new rotation starting that you need to prepare topic discussions for every night and be ready to round independently in the morning. It, it can be a lot. Um, but at the same time, it's 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 so worth it in my mind. Like I look back and yes, I struggled through, but I would not be where I was today had I not struggled. Uh, what do you mean by struggled though? Yeah, I think. What does it, does it mean? Like you just didn't feel like confident or you didn't, you felt underprepared or maybe you didn't have the skill set and that it wasn't provided for you. So you felt like you were really behind on the ball. Like, like I think the word struggle is different for everyone's minds. And I think that'd be kind of cool to hear. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think uh, imposter syndrome is a huge thing and it mm -hmm. never goes away. And I remember feeling it as soon as we got out of our first you know, P1 test and everyone's like, I aced this test. And I remember I got a 50% on my biochem mm -hmm. test and I was like, I'm not meant to be a pharmacist. They're going to fail me. And I just remember feeling so hopeless. So it's like <laughs> those things of like, am I, do, is the information there? You know, am mm -hmm. I able to take that and apply that to a way that's going to help my patient? And so preparing for the topic discussions in a way that's going to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but outside of it, like struggling can be, Yes, in your, you know, physical rotation or after rotation with your longitudinal projects, communicating deadlines is a big thing this year, you know, that I've struggled with is just saying, hey, I have a lot on my plate right now. Can we move this around? And on top of that, you know, I have things going on at home that, right. you know, I can't bring to work every day and I need to deal with at home. That's going to take time away from that, you know, learning that needs to happen. Right. Um, that that can't happen on the spot on the spot of rotation. You need you need that time for reflection. You need that time to sit and grapple with everything that you have learned that day. Write it down. You know, get your journal articles out. Highlight them. Like whatever it is you need to do to retain that information is key. And I think it just gets hard because there's everything is fighting for your time. Yes, and relate. Yes, relate. And it's hard. It's really hard. Yes, it's really hard. And there's no answer. I can't. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. really that, that really made my skin kind of itchy because it's true. Like, yes. Are you I saying you that you don't live in the hospital? <laughs> I will say I try not to live in the hospital. Uh, I think that there's nights that I've definitely been here till eight or nine p.m. just so I can say like I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna get good night's sleep because I don't want this in my bedroom like me on the computer until ten trying to do it. Mm -hmm. So I will separate my work from my apartment because I just know that I'm not going to get or be as productive there. Right. Um, but I had a, I actually had a really good feedback session on my last rotation. And I said, I know I'm really struggling with, you know, how to get all these things done and what to prioritize. And she, and instead, instead of saying, you know, I don't have time for this, or I didn't have time to read up on the guidelines for this in, in today's preparation. She was saying, you know, it wasn't to say instead of saying that, say it's it wasn't a priority to me, you know, me helping with my mom's surgery like that was the priority and that had to take place. And she goes, it really puts it in perspective that way instead of just saying I don't have time um, because it's not a choice. It's like I just I didn't have I it wasn't a priority to me at that time because these things. But, um, you know, knowing what's important, and I think that really puts it in perspective.
Yeah, that actually makes sense too. Before we get too far, I just wanted to say thank you for sharing your story about failing your first test in pharmacy school. Yeah, because I will say that I also failed my first test in pharmacy school. And you're still here. We're still here. (laughs) Nobody talks about that though. We always have to walk around like, yeah. Well, and that's what's important because, like, I felt like I was the only one, but. The more that I've talked with people, the more obvious it's become that that's actually a pretty common narrative. And it's just part of the transition for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. Yeah. And I I think it's definitely a blessing to have failed. And I will say biochem is not the first thing that I failed at. Like I lost a leadership position because I was unable to, you know, keep up with the, the grades at one point during pharmacy school. And you know, did I let that affect me? Yes. In the moment, I was very upset and I was crying because I was like, I really love this position. I had a lot of meaningful things that I thought I was doing and helping to implement through the college. But, you know, it's just the way things crumble. And you said, you know, I have to let this go and prioritize my grades and my well-being and my family because of what's actually happening. And then I was able to say, well, I'm still going to be contributing in these meaningful ways. So it's not all you know, tears throughout pharmacy school. There's a lot to learn, like a lot to learn in the failure that you experience and everyone experiences failure in a different way and what they count as failure. So I just wish it was (laughs) talked more about. Yeah, I really do because it's, it's, you do. I think for, for me going through that and having to be in a position where you're fighting to prove, because that's what it feels like when you fail that you have to prove this for an indefinite amount of time. Yeah. And it's like, that's not how failing, that's not, that's not how failure works. Yeah. Failure is a learning. It should be spin, spun to be positive instead of now I failed once and now I'm proving for three years on something that happened one time. And, or, or even if it was consistent, then that would be a pattern that, hey, maybe outside we can come to find that maybe she has something a different way to learn. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think that it's really crucial that we just talk about feeling more because it makes us more human, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and it's like, I would much rather fail earlier on rather than later on when I didn't ask any questions, didn't figure out my learning style or didn't yeah. figure out what went wrong. Yeah. So I can be better now. Exactly. Today. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I totally. So, <clears throat> you know, we talked about, you know, your professional day and how you prepare and, um, you know, in your residency kind of career, but what does, uh, what are your primary responsibilities? I know we talked about rounding um, and preparation, but what are your primary responsibilities day to day? So patient care always comes first. So, Mm. you know, you get in in the morning, sit down, um, you have a designated amount of time to get through X amount of patients, um, prioritizing those that are more critical, especially this year is focused on the prioritization of those patients. So which ones are on pressers? Which one did we, are we coding right now? And we need to just pull everything away to go do that. Um, So patient care is always number one. And then I think two is your learning. And they, I think preceptors really prioritize that pretty high and they, they give you a lot and they, they provide you with a lot of information, but it's to your own benefit. It's for you to ask questions because that's what a residency is. Like We are choosing to go through this experience and choosing to be put in these situations where we do fortunately have a buddy next to us that we can be like, hey, this is what I thought about this. Like, can I ask you about this? Because you're not going to have that when, you know, you step into the job market six months or at least I'm not six months from now. You'll have colleagues and coworkers, but 
that relationship is significantly different than that of a preceptor or a learner and a teacher. So um, let's see, that's that's number two. Uh, number three would be like your longitudinal projects. So like presentations, research, um, there's a whole slew of longitudinal things uh, as far as residency duty goes. And then I think one that we often forget about is just like being a good co-resident to other people. And yeah. I think I'm like, it's hard this year because as a PGY1, you have several, at least here, you had several different co-residents and you're all kind of going through the same experiences and you can talk about it. I'm the only PGY2 critical care pharmacy resident. All my other co-residents are oncology or admin and we're all separated. And so reaching out and saying, hey, are you okay? Are we making it through this? And yeah. just knowing how to support each other because it can be an isolating experience, especially if you only have yourself going through this program. Right. Um, even though it's all very similar, it's like, you know, I want to let you know I'm here or like, you want to know that someone is there for you, right. even if it's, you know, I can't relate to that same experience. So, yeah, I think those are some of the resident responsibilities that I have this year and that, you know, I, I take pride in. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. The narrative that I feel like I've heard you say a couple times is that if you keep doing what you've always done, then you never grow. So I'm glad that you've been able to take the opportunities that residency has given you to grow. Yes, it's been a lot of growth. <laughs> so I've been dying to ask you this question. Why did you decide on critical care? Yes. Um, mm -hmm. I just felt, so I was, after PGY, well, after PGY1, after a few months of PGY1, I was really interested in a bunch of different things. And I've always kind of been like, I want to know a lot about all the things and very open to every experience that comes my way. So I went into my oncology rotation soaked all up loved it and i was like oh, i could i could see myself in doing oncology i could then i move over and i'm in internal medicine i said wow like you get to see everything and these patients have so many different things like yes you get kind of your bread and butter like you get used to you know a gi leader this or that but for the most part these patients are pretty cool if you actually dig deep into their problems there's a lot going on a lot to unpack and so i love that puzzle of it so I said, okay, like I really like internal med. I'm gonna do internal med. And I was like, all right, I got two weeks of medical ICU and then I have to put it in for my early commit or say, hey, I'm not gonna really commit. I'm gonna go to mid-year and see what's out there because mm -hmm. I don't know what I want to do. Um, I stepped into the medical ICU and I, it was like internal medicine on steroids. I had patients with cancer, with, you know, all these different evolving medical complexities that I was like, this is the puzzle that I want to solve. And this is what is going to, I think, keep me satisfied throughout my career is like getting, you know, really deep with these patients and maybe having, yes, a less, I guess, quantity of patients, but having these super complex patients and figuring out what could we do that's going to help them the best and there's maybe all the areas gray and critical care is getting more and more research and how to treat these patients and certain aspects but for the most part like you're sitting there trying to solve that puzzle and that problem solver and you know bringing that to your team so I just love that and there's all this continued learning and you know I I love that I can walk into work and I'm like asking my preceptors question like, I don't know we should read on that like the fact that they're like yeah we don't know like yeah. this is just something that we're learning every day too and so I was like that's what I want to do and that's what I want to be. I don't want to have all the answers, but I want to know how do I find these answers and what questions do I need to ask to get right. the answers for my patient. Right. So, and I can kind of do everything with critical care. It's like 
you can go cards, you can go surgical, you can go medical. So I still get everything. (laughs) I was working with a pharmacist and I asked him a question. He was like, gee, let's look that up. And I was like, that was so gratifying (laughs) that he didn't know the answer to that question because I thought at some point maybe you would. But it's so much more important to know where to look than to be able to memorize. Yeah. And you'll get used to it, right? I have to remind myself, like, I'm here for four weeks. You've been here for however many years. And, like, we're, like we sometimes we have the same question or sometimes it's like, oh, I know this because I've done it for so many years, which is nice. But, like, not to get settled in that and still have those, like, what is there more to know about that certain thing? Yeah, I agree with that completely. Because it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. You're right. I mean, sometimes I, f- I don't want to say it's lost, but if you're so used to doing something um, and you just kind of see it all the time, that's kind of like also knowledge based, right? You look at somebody and you're like, why do you know so much about this? And it's like, well, that's that's your focus, you know? And so, but if you were to ask a question outside of their focus, how well and what kind of skills would they and how equipped would they be to answer, right? Yeah. And so I think that that's really important that we just constantly just keep working on those skills of how can I find what questions to ask? And the questions, that's really important because sometimes it's all it takes, yes. really. But we just ask the same five questions. <laughs> and we're like, oh, well, what else can I ask? What's so left field but also could be something, right? Yeah. Don't laugh at me. That was my drug. No, that, was just... my, that was my, that was my, that was my, what? When we were doing our. I just know that that's your specialty. Yeah, That's why is. you get up in the morning. Yeah, because what it could be something completely left field. Like, I don't know. Did you yeah. go outside and take a hike and maybe eat something or, you know, I don't know. Something completely left field. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, you know what? Come to think of it. Hmm. Well, maybe yeah. I did yeah. you know, drink this raw milk one time and now I have this raging infection. You're like, exactly. <laughs> you never because, know. Because, you know, and that's, that's the thing is we're laughing because we're talking about, we talk, we're talking about maternal recall. It's like when you're just in the thing, in the moment, you're, you Nothing just comes and clicks. So you have to be kind of blindsided to be like, hmm, that's kind of a bizarre question. But you know what? Actually, that triggered something. Yeah. So I don't know. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> My favorite untold stories of the ER was like this pregnant lady that put on um, a boot that was in her garage on her way to her baby shower. Oh, yeah. There was a spider in there that bit her. Yeah. So she had this like horrible reaction. And she's like, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Is it affecting my baby? <laughs> And that's what I go back to <laughs> in my mind because you never know. You yeah. never know. Was that one time you put a boot on? Why was she yeah. putting the boot on? Just It was a shoe, not a boot, like an injury boot, right? Well, they were cute. They were like cute dress boots. Oh, and okay. the, that's what she <laughs> wanted to wear to her baby shower. But they were in the garage for a while. Got you. Because like who Makes really sense. wants to wear some fancy dress boot every day they're pregnant? <laughs> um, but I guess we will move on to, do you feel like pharmacists are well integrated into the healthcare team? I think more and more. Um, and unfortunately, this is a perspective that I only have at University of Utah, right? Like I've only ever done, you know, other than some appies at different locations, I've been at University of Utah for my my whole training, um, which is a great this it's great experience and I love every second of it but I also have to recognize like that is the only perspective that I do have um so I think a lot of times I hear you know as I'm applying for jobs like east coast is very different than west coast or you know this practice is very different if you go in different settings and I think there's an element of yes it's going to be different everywhere you go um and I don't necessarily have the perspective to say that culture is going to be different east to west coast you know I have um 
people that I can pick their brains on and say, you know, what's your experience? And maybe they've experienced both. But um, at least here at University of Utah, I think pharmacists integrate exceptionally well. I think that they integrate their learners well and they prioritize their learners. And so that is some, something I'm really thankful for in my education and my training to experience that because I will be prepared on how to combat those situations if that's not the case, right? Or I know what a well-functioning and high-functioning team looks like. But but yeah, I, uh, I'm excited to get out there and apply for jobs because I that that's perspective that I do need. Yeah. Yeah. Something that I don't think I appreciated enough before I was in pharmacy school is that so much of the pharmacist's scope of practice depends a lot on the state that they're in and the different state laws that exist um, surrounding the profession. Yeah. I, I, you know what, though, I, what I have also found, I think, like, back to just applying to pharmacy school, aside from living here and thinking, okay, well, I have, condi- like, I have a kid, so I can't be traveling around and moving, relocating, right? So I was kind of stuck to either two, there's two pharmacy schools in Utah, right? But I do appreciate the diversity. I have seen, I met quite a bit of people, different people, either doing residency or from, you know, just that are pharmacists that are not from Utah that yeah. come here. Yeah. And either that be from an opportunity or by choice, but there are people like all over. And I'm originally from Chicago. I've met so many people from oh, Chicago nice. and the Midwest and they're like, hey, what's up? And I'm like... <laughs> I thought it was just, you know, but so I appreciate the culture and the diversity too. I think that people are just really, this is a really fun place. You get to meet a lot of incredible people that experience their education outside of the University of Utah. And so I appreciate that. But, you know, you are in a, so let's just be real. I mean, we've been real the whole time. You've been, you, you work in an environment that's kind of high stress, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) So how do you decompress? Because we're struggling with decompression. We don't know yes. how to do that. We're open to suggestions. We think binge eating is a, is, a, is appropriate. It's not. <laughs> um, watching TV is also not. And so how do you decompress? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And it's something I think I'm learning as I go too. right? Different situations will trigger my stress in different ways than others do. Um, you know, as much as I love my you know Netflix binge and you know one show next to the other, I think it's really healthy for me that I've learned is to unplug from everything. Yeah. And you know, Utah is a great place, and I will say I'm not the most outdoorsy. I don't. Amen. Know. And finally, someone says something <laughs> other than being outdoors. Every guest yeah. has said, "I really like going on hikes," and I'm like, "Can't relate." Yeah, I mean, I wish I was really good at hiking, and that's something I'm trying to get more. Like, I'm like, I'm in Utah. I should probably experience no. the Utah and things. Um, no. But no, I. I just like to unplug. I love a good, like, day of board games. I'm a really big board game player. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we need to start a board Why do, why do we not have a board game club here? Seriously. Uh, I just bought yeah. Splendor. Why do we Ooh, not? We just talked about that last there you go. week. We board did. games have been very popular. <laughs> it's hard to play a board game by yourself, okay? Yes. It is. It's really, mm-hmm. really yes. difficult. But, oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, so I have a, a really great group of friends, and they're outside of my pharmacy realm. And so we plan a day, like at least once a month, where we just like say, okay, we're going to show up at 10. We're going to campaign for however long and play, and then maybe watch a plug in a movie at the end of the day and have some snacks or dinner. So it's really nice to just, I think, get outside of the pharmacy brain. Like, I have a, a lot of incredible lifelong friends that I've met through pharmacy, but I think just also plugging in outside and remembering you have relationships outside of pharmacy. And although it's a huge part of your life, 
there are other people who love and care for you and support you and they want, you know, they're wanting you to do well, even though they might not understand everything you're going through, Mm -hmm. but plug into their lives too, because they, you know, that's a relationship that you should maintain is, is those ones and it's healthy. So that's, that's my way. I, that's my perfect day to decompress. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm not alone in the board game world. <laughs> I'm not a and er yet. But no, I, 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 I haven't done D&D, but it's yeah. just nice to hear somebody say yeah. board games. I also really love cards. Yes. Ooh, you should try set. It's a new one I just learned. Set. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. I've been playing Palace, which is really fun. But oh, I haven't heard, I don't ever heard of that one. I know. Mm-hmm. Noted. <laughs> Got some things. It's really fun though, but I, I have love a it. special place in my heart for Rummy myself. Mm. Oh yeah, and love Cannon Foot. Mm-hmm. That's a team based. We should totally have a board game club. <laughs> so I'm gonna start one. No, I, I Rummy by one. myself. Ain't nobody seeing these tiles. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so we talked about um, uh, this imposter syndrome and things, but I just I, I think I just want to ask a personal kind of off target, off this list kind of thing. You know, for me, I'm a very, although I don't look at a very emotional, very connected to a patient kind of person. And so when something tragic or sad happens, I have a tendency to let that, I don't know what to do with that. And I, I grovel on it. And do you have any tips, tricks, or how do you kind of navigate those really, and not saying that they happen all the time, but those really traumatic kind of sad events that you see and witness, you know, how do you learn to to see light in that, even though at the time it feels like, you know, you might be the contribution to the failure of that or, you know what I'm saying? I just want to know how you deal with that, the sadness. I think for me, if I'm feeling to that point, I have to like sit there and and say, you know, like you, like that's a, it's it's, in a many way it's a win, right? You Mm -hmm. care so much for this patient that you are stressing over this outcome Mm -hmm. and you are stressing like, to me, I'm like, I never want to lose that. I never want to lose that empathy or that compassion towards the situation because I think that's what, like, why I do what I do. And that's why, that's what brings me satisfaction, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to, you know, yes, you'll have the wins of, like, I helped this patient and they did well and they're out of the ICU and they're good. But then you you don't. The yeah. ICU has, you know, a lot of people, a lot of death sometimes, yeah. and it's hard. So, Something I'm still trying to figure out myself. Uh, I think that one resource that I actually took advantage of, I think we're told about it a lot, is, you know, our employee assistance program and the therapists and the mental health counselors that are here. And that's something that I utilized this year because, you know, I was like, oh, I can deal with it and I can kind of you know, separate out this this situation and what is it, compartmentalize. Yeah. I can as much as I'd like to say that. And I don't want to, like, I, I want to be able to feel because that, like, that's a loss, you know, like we, as a team, we lost for that patient. And I don't say like, it's nothing we could have controlled or we couldn't control, but it's good to talk through those emotions because sometimes the self-talk that we have to ourselves is not healthy. Right. And you can say, oh, I messed this dose up, right? Like if I would have done this one thing and it's like, don't play the what if game, like there's other ways you can, you know, talk through this and, um, get that closure and that clarity um, and turn it into ways, you know, that failure that's going to make you better instead of ruminating and potentially impacting other patients in the future. So I, I say that's one thing that I've, that's really helped me. And it's not like a, every single day or every single right. patient I'll need it, but like there's some cases that 
I've just needed to say, hey, I need to go talk to someone about this. And as a learner, like, I think that's a great opportunity is to learn how to deal with that early on because this isn't available to everyone. I think, like, at every hospital you'll go to, but it's like, I'm going to take advantage of it while it's here. And my preceptors, they are very, um, I guess, tuned in to to that and they they encourage that. So I love that. Which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Sierra, are you ready to be my, you're going to be my, my therapist, I'll call you. Just, yeah. I don't oh, know if I can take that <laughs> on. She'd be like, do you want to go play a board game? I'd be like, yes. <laughs> Rummy it up. Yeah. And then, yeah, your co-residents, I think that's a great point. Like, I, I, like, we just talk so much about our experiences because we have those, like, those shared, yeah. you know, you're a resident, this is, like, what happened, this is what I learned, kind of experiences, and there's no one else that you can really... Like they will relate to that in the way that they will because they're it's a shared, you know, thing. <laughs> so I, I need to get better at shutting off my phone now. <laughs> like leaving work out of the house. I do need to get better at that though. I do. There have been more times recently when I go to text Liz and it says phone is on do not disturb. I am trying to notify anyway. <laughs> and I think that is a step in the right direction. Yes. You're right. But also I didn't plan that. That's Siri. She's doing it myself. I, I'm like, oh, why isn't anybody texting me? And it's like, oh, it's in do not disturb mode. I'm like, oh, dang it. So maybe my phone is just catching on. She's telling me I need to take some time apart. But I think, um, do you do you want to ask anything, Sierra? I've been doing a lot of questions because I'm really into it. Oh, I can tell. <laughs> um, sure. I guess on. we'll move on to what plans do you have after residency? Oh. You tell me. I don't know what my plan is. <laughs> no, uh, right now I'm in the period of applying and waiting to hear back uh, for interviews and, you know, that that anxiety and not knowing what's next. Uh, but, yeah, I think I uh, have some good options. I, I, I will say I am, this is what I know, I, I am looking to leave Utah. I am looking to gain that perspective of a different health system, maybe a different area, oh. and, and sort of add to my my learning <laughs> in, yeah. in the terms of maybe not just pharmacy learning, but different culture shifts and how to integrate well with a team and how to separate yourself as a, you know, a learner you've been your whole life into, no, I'm a young professional and I'm going to get out there and make a name for myself Mm -hmm. and my practice and you know have learners and be able to precept in a way that you know you would like to and have that be successful so I think those are what's what's in my future it just is a matter of like where now (laughs) it's wild it's a very exciting time it is it's nerve-wracking and I I think that I was such a planner you know all throughout 13 years old and you want to be a pharmacist (laughs) but I was like there's some beauty in not knowing and having like to teach yourself. It's fine. Like it'll come. Like what's the option? I'm not going to be a pharmacist. Like that's not the option. Like well, we did decide <laughs> we wanted to be UTA drivers. There you go. That's the backup. That's plan. our backup plan. Is we want to work for UTA. <laughs> Hear that UTA? Shout out. We're gonna just drive that big old train tracks every day. Hey, the tracks would be nice. The the buses on the snow, I'm sometimes like, oh, heck no. thank God. Sierra, we're not doing drive. the bus. <laughs> I drive like a tiny little car. I drive a 2010 Subaru Impreza. A.K.A. Tumbleweed. If yes. that doesn't give you an inclination about what Tumbleweed's capable of. <laughs> yeah. Um, he moves around on the road when it's really <laughs> yes. windy. 
which is not good for Utah. <laughs> yes. So I have mad respect for the UTA drivers that get me, you know, to the hospital on time yeah. every day. Oh, so except for thankfully. the whiplash on that corner ride. Like, <laughs> I feel like right when you <laughs> And I know exactly right what corner you you're in. talking about. <laughs> right when we pull in, you're like, hold on. And I'm like, you know, I got my coffee. Like, I'm just like, oh, this is so nice. And then you're boom, and you're like, oh, okay. All right. Well, we know where we're at. Wake up call. <laughs> Do you, you own know? carpool? Yeah. No. We did we went to, we took the tracks the first semester and then I have now I have to because I have to take my kid to school in the morning. So we separate, but man, that first semester, <laughs> our necks were cracking. We were like, what yeah. is happening? <laughs> Why is it vibrating? Why are we stopped? Yeah. You yeah. know, but it's always good to study and fall asleep and do tracks, walks. Yeah. Sierra's notorious for that. One day we'll talk about those. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I think what we've always asked our other guests um, is what um, qualities make a good pharmacist? I know you mentioned empathy, um, but, you know, to be a good pharmacist, what does that mean? Kind of what's what does that what does that mean for you? Yeah, this is a good question. Um, I think to me, a good pharmacist means someone who's not gonna, you know, stop at the easiest answer, but get to the most accurate, you know, patient specific answer. And that's I think one of the reasons why I'm doing critical care is because like every patient is so different. You want to like tailor as much as you can for this patient what's the right dose even down to the vancomycin kinetics um like monitoring that you'll have to do and different like just to that degree of personalized individual care for your patient i think that that is what you know makes a good pharmacist who's invested in their patient outcomes invested in the work that they do and invested in their team that they're working with because you can be a good pharmacist with all the answers and say i know all this and i know all this and but, like, if you can't give a recommendation, you know, that is half the battle is getting your team to have that rapport and have that, you know, sense of belonging. And so when you give a recommendation, they they value it, first of all, and they know that you're coming from a place of I want to do the best for my patient, which can sometimes be the limiting factor in, in patient uh, care as far as pharmacist recommendations go. So I would say – you know, a pharmacist who's empathetic, who really wants to do the best for their patient, who is motivated to learn to get that patient better, or learn, you know, where their deficits are and, and dig deeper. So, yeah. And one who's like, you know, fun, you know? Yeah, funny. <laughs> funny, funny. Like bring some lightheartedness to the ICU, I think is important because those are thick situations. And I think mm -hmm. that, you know, sometimes your team needs to step away from all that seriousness. And so, Having a little lighthearted. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. All right. I that love seems... a good joke, though. I oh, lie. I know you do. <laughs> I'm just going to carry cards in my pocket now. And be like, it's game time. <laughs> you never know when you'll have an extra minute. Yeah, true. Hey, while we wait for that Vinko, we're going to just, you know, let's play some cards. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Pay attention. Don't do that. Don't do that. But I, I mean, I, I like that because, um, you know, when we ask when we ask other guests like what makes a good pharmacist, it's really interesting to hear that there's a lot more. I think that it's it's even though they might not all know each other, they kind of all create this idea of what a good pharmacist is, and it's been pretty conducive. I think it's been pretty convergent. All of it's the same, and and I think a lot of it is just be a human, and yeah. not just a walking, you know, book of information. And don't forget that that if 
if you were that person, how would you want to be treated? And I think that just comes down to just general being a human, being a good person, you know. I think 99% of the time you're a pharmacist solving a problem, right? And so that's a lot of negative. And you can say, hey, we have a problem we need to fix. And if that's the only thing you're bringing to your team, it's a lot of negativity, right? And so investing in your team on, you know, some of the positives or some of their life or little things, you know, I bond over the fact that I don't have a dog. So I live through everyone else's dog. And I'm like, oh, I want to see the picture, you know, like, so creating those relationships and not just being the person who's bringing you know, all the wrong orders to their attention or, you know, <laughs> medication misadventures. <laughs> yeah, for real. This is so exciting because I have so many fabulous photos of my dog. Oh, well, okay. As soon as we sign off here, I'm going to need to see I those. have a hairless cat. That's what I have. It's just kind of <gasps> oh. like a dog. Oh, no, no, no. No, no. Everybody says, oh, it's so cute. His name's Douglas, okay? And I just, I just want to say he's just a very interesting creature. <laughs> That's all. It's like oh. having a dog doesn't leave me alone but it's a cat yeah in dog form but here's the thing i'm not allergic to hairless cats yeah no other cats on the other hand oh yeah that's why i had to go this route because my kid (laughs) wanted one i was like dude i can't something's happening yeah so i was like all right let's try and get this oh no they are a different breed (laughs) have you ever had to bathe the cat regularly yeah oh no no oh yeah i mean well no in general but no (laughs) yeah it's a fun time, let me tell you. It's a real fun time. But that's good. Uh, I mean, I, I appreciate the I appreciate the realism, though, in this conversation about just, you know. Hairless cats. Yeah, hairless cats for the win. <laughs> hairless cats for the win. Asthma. <laughs> just kidding. But, all right, so I guess what is one thing, um, I mean, if you could tell the public one thing that about pharmacists, what would it be? One thing. Oh, I think y'all are probably in the same boat of like, you're going to pharmacy school to be a pharmacist, like to do, you know, be a community retail pharmacist. And I think that that's a, a huge misconception that the public has is that we're only meant for like this one role. And yes, they are so essential. Those retail pharmacists do an excellent job and they are the first line in, in that community. And so mm-hmm. I think that's important. I'm not discounting that. I think that what I want the public to know is like we are specialists, right? Like we dedicate a majority of our life and our time to learning so much about whatever we want to specialize in. And for me, that's critical care. For someone else, it might be cardiology. And so just bringing it back to the fact that like we are specialists in what we choose to do, whether that be retail, whether that be in a community hospital, whether that be in the ICU. So just saying like, hey, I think – I think they discount us a little bit, right? Like you don't know as much as the doctor. You don't know. And and that's fine. Like I did not learn in the same way your doctor did, but that does not mean that I am, you know, not educated and not able to provide sound recommendations and information. So I love that. Yeah. So are you ready? Because now (laughs) it is time for the, we should say it together. Okay. Ready? Okay. We can try. You ready? One, two, three. The Budding budding Question. question. (laughs) Okay, so do hospitals need 24-hour pharmacist staffing in ICUs? So I would say our patients do. Um, Hospitals, I think that is one thing. and It's something that came up at all the meetings, the critical care meetings I've been to is we're at capacity. We're at capacity. And how do we take care of our patients when we are at capacity. Mm -hmm. And that looks like more pharmacists. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I know pharmacy schools have been going through a lull in their enrollments and we're kind of going through a waxing and waning period of that. But I think that the demand of our healthcare system right now is that we have more patients we need to care for and more sick patients that we need to care for. And so that just means we need more personnel, right? Nurses, doctors, pharmacists. Yeah. So, so. that means we're bringing back the pager. <laughs> on call. Beep, 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 oh, let's be honest. Just the page pager page. never went away. I want the pager. Just give me a pager. I don't want Flacera. I want a pager. I want an old school fat block plastic on my hip bone that goes beep, 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 beep. And then I look at it I'm like, yeah, I'm needed. I'm all needed. Just no, I, I think that it's true. Managers and things face an interesting, you know, predicament trying to staff yeah. that way. And they go through hiring, you know, issues. But I think our patients and the demand for patient care, I think that they would require pharmacist coverage. Yeah. 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 So. I, work, I work at South Jordan in the emergency room because we are, we're an outpatient pharmacy. We have inpatient, outpatient, but our outpatient closes at 830 and mm-hmm. the ED is a 24-hour thing and sometimes yes. they're they're like man we really want a pharmacist yeah we really need i need to ask a pharmacist about this and nobody is there and so mm-hmm. i know that the emergency room really wants someone to be there and so i know that demand is there not just by the patients too but by the staff because yeah. they're like we just don't know we just don't have the, we're not not 100 confident or even 99.9 percent confident on this decision and so yeah. i know it's desired for sure yeah. And I think that just goes to the the role that we've made for ourselves, right, amongst our healthcare team is that, you know, we are essential. And I think that we provide a lot of value to our team and our patients. And so in order to provide the best, most safe care, I think a pharmacist should be a part of that, that conversation at any that. time of the day. <laughs> this is true. Just give me my beeper. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll beeper. say, like, even at University of Utah Medical Center, that's a level one trauma center, they're still expanding pharmacist hours and mm-hmm. a lot of areas don't have 24-hour-7 staffing. Yeah. Yeah. We just hired a couple to, to help fill that gap in the emergency department, and we have n- had nothing, at least that I've heard, is but good feedback because they're like, wow, it's so nice that yeah. we have, you know, someone in the emergency department so we can, you know, field questions from the ICU right. residents overnight. Like they, they're pretty new sometimes, the residents, yeah. and they're having to call their attending or pass things off, but it's nice to bounce those off of a pharmacist. I think too, so I yeah. We're not, I mean, other places aren't as lucky, but I think that that's, this is true. it's a gap. <laughs> yeah, it's a gap that we should, that we're, we're willing to work with and work on, right? Yeah. And hopefully we'll see it more. Yeah. Well, yeah. yet to be determined. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for coming on here today, Presley. We appreciate it. And other residents, we need to get them on here too because I think it's important to just not only be able to relate but also just see that even though it's something that may be scary and not so well-defined, that there's, you know, there's good in all avenues and time. And and I think that you provide some really good insight in in terms of how we can – we're human and that it doesn't matter – what happens in your path of pharmacy as so long as you keep your eyes on the prize and just stay true to yourself that good things are to come. So, you know, that's not without hard work, but and a couple board games. <laughs> and a couple board games. And yeah. dog pictures. <laughs> right? Oh, I don't know. And no exactly. hiking. Abs- minimally <laughs> zero hiking. Do not I believe ask. in horizontal running. Yeah. <laughs> on the couch. <laughs> yeah. Horizontal walk walking. Uh. Walking. Running is too much. <laughs> It needs one leg up only once, just over the other, just like this. <laughs> Relax him with a pillow. 
I mean, but no, seriously, we do appreciate it. So yeah, thank you so no. much for being here. Today. Thank you so much for having me. This is a really great thing. And I, I think before we started recording, I said, I wish I would have had something like this when I was a student to listen to because, you know, I had no pharmacy experience going into pharmacy school. And yeah. so having that little bit of insight and things would have been would have been really, really great. So I yeah. love love it what you're doing. Well, <laughs> thanks for contributing. We definitely hope to be a resource. And yeah. we're so glad that you could share your resources with us. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is the Farm Buds signing off. Until next time, stay, stay curious. curious. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Farm Buds podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the University of Utah. Farm Buds is not responsible for and does not verify the accuracy of any information contained in this series. This podcast does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. Primary purpose of this show is to educate, inform, and allow those in the pharmacy profession to tell their stories.